The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. We like it mixed. You know, it's it's hilarious. I was wondering how loud Casey was going to get with the intro for this because he is in San Diego. He's in the media room for Bellator 300, the official way and just ended the ceremonial way and both kick off. I didn't know if Casey was going to scream and yell, but I think he did the best he could there. But welcome, everybody. It's a doubleheader preview show. We got UFC Vegas 80 going down tomorrow. We got Bellator 300 going down tomorrow. And we're here to talk about it with all of you wonderful people on a Friday afternoon. I am Mike Keck. I got the Phoenix contingency with me first. My bald brethren, the wise wordsmith, Mr. Shaheen Alshadi. Happy Friday, sir. I feel like I haven't talked to you in forever. It's been a big, it's been a bit, but I, I, I'm glad you mentioned the Phoenix Mafia here because we're here to represent Diamondbacks in the playoffs, baby. We finally got something else going on in this. Diamondbacks, go beat those Dodgers, baby. Let's go. Yes, uh, as a Red Sox fan, got nothing really to root for right now. And Jose Young mm-hmm. joins us as well. The other half of Team Phoenix, Team Diamondbacks, at least for these particular playoffs. What's up, Jose? Look at that hair. Holy cow. You see what I'm doing? You guys can't do that. <laughs> Yep, you're wow. absolutely right about that. Wow. Try to do some Phoenix friendship here and just get blasted off the face of the earth in the first five seconds. Thank you. Hey, Unbelievable. you only talk trash to your friends. Outside of that, it's just mean-spirited. So what do you call that? That's fair. Was that mean-spirited just, or was it friendly? friendly? Friendly banter. Okay. I just want to make sure that we were all on the same page here. Um, speaking of not being able to do things, uh, we found out a little while ago <laughs> that Alimale McFarlane will not be fighting for the Bellator Women's Flyweight title. Now, the last... Tremendous. Tremendous. The last maybe 10 minutes or so, 
as we were waiting in the green room, some changes were afoot. And I mean some big changes, and then things kind of changed back. What was originally the plan was they were going to take the Liz Carmouche, Alimale McFarlane fight, since Alimale McFarlane missed weight not once, not twice, but three times. They were going to turn it into a three-round fight, and then a few minutes later, like, no, 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 we're going to bring it back. So Liz Carmouche will fight Alimale McFarlane. It will be a five-round fight. It will count as an official title defense for Liz Carmouche should she win. And if Alimale McFarlane wins, she will not be the women's flyweight champion. I, I think I got that correct, right? I think I got that right. That's how we're yep. doing this. Yep. All right. So we officially have what two and a half title fights for Bellator three hundred. It's something that is like so that. Bellator. All it's of this so, is so Bellator. So she walks in at one twenty. She, she missed a bunch, man. One twenty seven point four in the first attempt. One twenty six point six on attempt two, and then for some reason she weighs in a third time, and she weighed one twenty eight point two craziness like why even have her win a third time at that point i i mean if she made 125 that would have been an incredible amount of weight to be cut in like an hour's time like mm -hmm. almost two pounds but then she comes in a pound and a half heavier weird situation but the fight will happen it will be a five rounder it'll be chris cyborg chris uh katzengano that fight is finally happening for the Women's featherweight title in the co-main event. Main event, Usman Nurmagomedov versus Brent Primus for the lightweight title. It's also the semifinal fight for the Bellator lightweight Grand Prix. And then over with the UFC, we got Grant Dawson versus Bobby Green in the main event. So, Shaheen, I just ran off the main event for UFC Vegas 80. I ran off the two-and-a-half title fights for Bellator 300. I understand belts are cool and everything, but if you look at the betting odds with the Bellator title fights – Carmouche is a almost a minus 300 favorite, but Usman Magomedov and Chris Cyborg are just ginormous favorites, and most people are expecting the champions to cruise and walk out of San Diego with the champions. So if you had to choose Shaheen, and I understand the historical significance behind Bellator 300, but if they're like, Shaheen, you can only watch and cover one of these events. Which one are you watching and covering and why? Bellator 300. I mean, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be fair. It's Bellator 300 is the better event. And I think there's a couple of reasons for this, right? One is obviously it's just it the way all of this plays out is so Bellator that they try to do this seminal thing. We know sort of what's happening behind the scenes with them, the potential sale. One big last show, blowout type of situation, four title fights, and in the most Bellator fashion possible, we end up with what? Like you said, two and a half. It's just you can you, you can you can predict these things. You can predict these things, uh, but to me, I mean, this is still a, a very good event. Uh, I am incredibly intrigued in Usman Nurmagomedov more than anything. Right? If you said Sean, you can pick one fight from this whole weekend that you can watch. I'm picking Usman just because I'm very I'm, I'm very curious to see more from this man. Right? Like he he's potentially a top five lightweight in the entire world. He's one of the best talents Bellator has. He might be the best talent Bellator has under on the roster right now. So. I just want to see this man fight. He's very exciting. He and he brings it every time. Uh, and the, and you know, Brent Primus is a good matchup. Former champion, very tough out. Uh, who has a, a pretty decent resume when it comes to Bellator fighters, especially Bellator lightweights. So you know that that to me that sells. And also Chris Cyborg, Kazangano. We have there's been so much build up for this. There has been very strange build up for this. There's been a lot of will they won't they will they won't they for a long time. I almost just want to see some resolution to that. Uh, but also just the the fact that. It does feel historically significant to some degree that this is happening, right? I think there's a very good 
clear chance that we have two Bellator events left ever. This one, and then what we have in November with Bellator 301. And the way that these sort of, like, we've been around for these things before, right? I We all remember, or at least I certainly do, the end of Strike Force, the end of WEC, the end of Pride even. When these sort of big mainstream promotions are on a death march in a way that it very much feels like Bellator is right now, where we can see the end, we know it's coming, and you just sort of have to get out these last few obligations. It can go one of two ways, right? I mean, you look at the WEC probably the greatest send-off for a major promotion in the history of the sport, right? WEC 53, one of the best shows in history, just all-out bangers from the, from beginning to end, and you you end on a high note in that fashion. And then you look at the opposite, right, which is the last time Scott Coker was in this situation with Strike Force, where their death march was just very slow, painful, agonizing at times, getting stripped of their parts before the the whole thing was done. You're running out main events where Daniel Cormier is fighting Dion Staring. If anybody remembers the, the name Dion Staring, like it was just a very weird and drawn out and painful experience by the end for what was otherwise a very beloved and fan favorite type of promotion. It seems as if Bellator is sort of doing the WEC route. They want to close this out with some good shows, doing the Bellator thing, putting out their best names out there, putting out their best talent and not, doing the death march that we have seen from others and i give them credit for it man i mean they've really tried with belter 300 i thought the poster was tremendous it was something different we don't get a lot of different in mma especially when it comes to this type of thing um and you know again they put their best foot forward that four title fights they were all good fights sometimes things happen especially in bellator things tend to happen you end up with two and a half but still i think it's a very good card the ufc card is fine it's an average apex card grant dawson's particularly intriguing because he is sort of the dark horse here at lightweight he is very much just unbeaten over the course of his ufc run so you want to see where the ceiling is for him bobby green's a good test for that but ultimately you give me one fight to watch i'm watching Usman. you give me one event to watch i'm watching bellator jose same question to you event to watch between the two and fight to watch between the two if you can only choose one I'm 100% in agreement with with Shaheen. Uh, I like the main event of UFC Vegas 80, and there's a, a couple of interesting names on UFC Vegas 80, but it's just an apex card. And Uzman, Uzman Nurmagomedov might be the best lightweight on planet Earth. Obviously, him and Islam are never going to fight because they're different promotions. Obviously, they also train together, with, and Habib is essentially their coach. So they will never fight, so he will never find that out. But... Usman Nurmagomedov might be the best lightweight in the world. He might be the best Bellator fighter on the entire roster, regardless of weight class. He might be the best all-around fighter in any weight class in mixed martial arts. We've heard the stories of when when you ask Islam, like, oh, who gets the better of you? And he kind of jokingly says Usman Nurmagomedov. And I tend to wonder how much of that is a joke uh, because Usman Nurmagomedov has really shown no, no weak points in his game. Now you could chalked it up to level of competition. Islam is fighting maybe better lightweights in the UFC. I don't think that's much of an argument, but Usman is doing to his opponents what he should be doing to his opponents and dispatching them seemingly with ease and with violent violent intention. So if you give me one fight of every fight on this entire weekend, it's Usman Nurmagomedov versus fill in the blank. So that's my answer. It's <laughs> Usman and Bellator 300. At DraftKings, Usman Nurmagomedov, a minus 2,100 favorite over Brent oh Primus. He is God. as high, he is as high, depending on which betting site you look at, as a minus 
3,300 favorite heading into this main event. That just goes to show you how the the, the betting public views Usun Magomedov right now, who, by the way, is only 25 years of age. He is only going to get better, and that might be the scariest thing in the world right now. And he is fighting Brent Primishaheen, who told me before the Mansar Barnwee fight, I'm just going to play spoiler for this entire thing. No one thinks I'm going to beat Barnway. I'm going to go out and beat him. And by the way, low-key, really fun fight. If you haven't seen mm-hmm. that fight, I highly suggest you go back and watch. Mm-hmm. It's really, really fun. And then he's just going to go and beat Usman. Has tons of respect for his skills, understands how good this young guy is. And Brent just feels like, look, I've been through the wood chipper. I've seen it all. I've done it all. I'm in a good headspace. And I'm just going to go in there with no pressure and play spoiler here. So straight up, Shaheen, betting odds aside, how stunning would a Brent Primus win be for you tomorrow night? I can't hear you. Yeah, I think you're muted, Sean. Yes, I was. Thank you. Uh, also, y'all in the comments section are wild. Uh, it would be fairly <laughs> stunning, right? Like it would, I mean, we we know what this is. You've read the odds off. Usman Nurmagomedov, we said it, one of the best talents in this whole promotion. And Brent Primus is 38 years old. Like, sure, he's a former champion. He has some good names on his resume. He is far past the point of the best pr- version of Brett Primus that we've seen, whereas Usman, what, mid-20s, 25 years old, uber-talented. Brent sort of just is happy to be here in that t- in this type of situation. I mean, I, it would be shocking to me if Usman lost this. We have seen nothing from him over the course of his Bellator career and just his MMA career in general that would suggest that he should lose a fight like this. Jose, how stunning would this be? Where, where would this rank for you if, if Brent Primus wins? Because Brent's Brent's good, man. I think he's completely flying under Brent's the radar good. here, which kind of way he likes. It, I but think, yeah, go ahead. I think he is flying under the radar because he. The only thing I would disagree with what Sean says, I don't is I don't think Brent is just happy to be here because when because let's not forget he was not in the lightweight tournament, the Grand Prix when it was announced, like the original lineup. And he was pissed. Like he, <laughs> every interview he did, he brought it up. Every even before that, they were talking. Like I think there was a lightweight title fight, and he wasn't even mentioned in it. And he went scorched earth on like Scott Coker and Bellator for not booking him in bigger fights. I don't think he's happy to be here. I think he very badly wants that lightweight title back because yeah he did win it against michael chandler but that was when michael chandler his his leg died in the middle of madison square garden and then he got like lead blanketed against michael chandler in the rematch and that didn't do him any favors because he talked a lot and then he lost a very boring fight and then he's lost to two very tough guys brent premise is a very good grappler um i interviewed him before his fight with Benson Henderson and Brent said who we all know Benson is one of the best grapplers the lightweight division has ever seen a very high level black belt Sean uh, knows better than most uh, from the MMA lab days Um, and Brent said straight up my jujitsu is just simply better than Benson Henderson which Benson Henderson openly laughed at about when I brought it up if you remember that fight, Brent Primus just grappled Benson Henderson and won a pretty dominant decision. Now, I'm not picking him to win to beat Usman Nurmagomedov, but I don't think Brent is – I don't think he's just simply happy to be here. I think he's going to come in and very much try to put Usman Nurmagomedov away. I don't want to – I would be surprised. I wouldn't use the word shocked though. I would be very surprised if Usman Nurmagomedov lost, but I I do think Brett Primus is a live dog. Let me I, let me just add to that because I I would be the reason I would be shocked mostly is because of the age, right? Like if this is two years yeah, ago, fair. three years ago, 
and Brent Primus is coming in like he was for that Benson Henderson fight. So I remember that me and you were both there, Jose. Um, like what? He was 35, 36 at that point. 38 years old in the lighter weight divisions. Just that's the past the sell by date. We just haven't seen a historically significant fighter succeed this late into their career in these in these lighter weight divisions, especially not against a 25 year old undefeated killer from Dagestan. Like you just put those bare facts up on the screen of, hey, 25 years old undefeated Dagestani Islam or Islam Magachev training partner versus 38 year old who kind of, you know, two and two over his last four type of thing. Like, I don't know. That's why I would be shocked is mostly because like Fred Prince is a very good fighter. I don't know that he's a very good fighter anymore. I am hoping that this fight is somewhat competitive. Like I hope Brent can, I think Brent, if he could be, if he could have some offensive wrestling, if he could take Usman down early and steal around just by using top position, because we haven't really seen Usman Aragamadov off of his back very much in his Bellator career. And Brent Primus is very, very good in that position. When he's on the feet, not very good. Mansar Barnwe did very, very well. But when Brent was the aggressor and was taking the fight to the ground, there were some scram- some wild and fun scrambles. But Brent, as the fight went on, continued to just kind of wear on Barnwe as that fight continued to progress. So I wonder, Brent, how aggressive he's going to be. Is he going to turn into like a Colby Covington, Bryce Mitchell S grappler where he's just spamming takedowns left and right, hoping to get top position. Because honestly, I think that's his only chance to win this fight. Otherwise Usman is just going to murder him and it's not going to be all that compelling, but I do hope that this fight is somewhat competitive. I hope Usman can overcome some adversity in this fight at all. Uh, And I think Brent could do it if he can get him down early and give Usman a taste of, almost his own medicine in some respects, but I do think Usman Amagamadov will find a finish. I do think this fight is going to be more competitive than the betting odds suggest. And I would just like to see how Usman kind of handles some pressure from a defensive side, but he's just that good, man. 25 years of age, the whole world is in front of him. And I expect him to end the night still the lightweight champion, but what a moment it would be for 38 year old Brent Primus to, to chalk one up for the elder folks. And it's going to be an intriguing matchup, especially early on. We got the return of Chris Cyborg on this card. Oh, go ahead. Yes, please. So please. I can just jump in. One last question about Usman, because to me, he is the most intriguing part of this whole weekend. And this is realistically probably the final time we will see him in the Bellator cage, I would imagine. After this, what is your ideal? Like, let's say Usman wins, very impressive blowout. What's your ideal next step for him? Golly. Like, what would you, what would be in Mike Heck's perfect world? What do you want to see Usman Nurmagomedov do after this? I mean, I think if the whole world had to guess what I'm going to say, they're going to guess it spot on. Go to the UFC. Islam, because I don't think Islam's going to fight for like terribly wrong, a long time. And maybe Islam's going to move up to 170. He's already talked about Colby or whatever. And if Usman comes over, it's probably almost a lock that Islam's going to go up to 170. And mm-hmm. immediately, the fight you make in 2024 is Usman Madoff versus Armin Sarukian. I have to see it. Oh. I have to see it. Just give me that and then I will be fine. Because apparently it is being talked about that Armin's going to fight Benil Dariush sometime in December. I know there are talks about the pay-per-view. I'm told it might be a little earlier than that, but nothing is done. Nothing is finalized. There are discussions for that fight. But man, can you imagine Usman Madoff coming over and fighting freaking Armin Sarukian? 25, 26-year-olds, two of the best in the world, trying to rise up the ranks. That's what I would like to see if I had my druthers, but I don't know. Jose, what would you like to see for Tuesday Namaga Madoff with a victory here? I would also like to see him finish out the Grand Prix first, yeah. but 
I mean, that's, I would like to see him finish out the Grand Prix, whether that's under the PFL banner or the Bellator banner. Don't really care. Um, The Patricky Pitbull fight doesn't really interest me, but the Shabley fight would be very fun. That would be very, very fun to watch. And I think that, like, when they announced the lineup, I always thought that would be probably the toughest fight for Usman. If Usman Nurmagomedov goes over to the UFC and Islam does go up to welterweight, I mean, I love the Armin fight a lot, and I'm not going to say no to watching that fight or the Gamrot fight or anything. If there's a vacant title, just throw Usman right into a vacant title fight, honestly. The Nurmagomedov name is there. Islam is just like, I'll go up. You give him an immediate title shot. Habib will call Dan and be like, give Usman an immediate title shot. And Dan will be like, yep, you got it. And then that's that. So <laughs> honestly, Usman Magomedov versus anyone for the vacant UFC lightweight title would be tons of fun. Shaheen, we could get Usman Magomedov versus Justin Gaethje. That, in, oh, in you stole scenario. the words. Yeah. You stole the words right mm-hmm. out of my mouth. I was going to say, I don't know how we get it or the world where in which this happens, but I would just really want to see Usman versus Justin Gagey oh because that God. is just <laughs> violence and chaos on a level that we deserve. I mean, and also, can you imagine if you're the UFC and you, you have this Habib Nurmagomedov, really popular, successful reign, and then right – you get that in between of Charles, but then right pretty much afterwards you get Islam – Coming in, the successor, the heir apparent, and then all of a sudden you get another Nurmagomedov of Usman just taking over this division, 25 years old, mid-20s in his prime, just hitting his prime. Like You have just this whole era, this decade of dominance from Dagestanis, from Nurmagomedov to Islam to then another Nurmagomedov. Like How Mm -hmm. crazy of a story that would be. I'm super here for that. It would be a lot of fun. I mean, and I, we're all saying Islam going up because he still has to fight Charles Oliveira, which is not yeah. an easy task whatsoever. No. Um, yeah, and then you got Umar at Bantamweight. You got Usman at Lightweight. And then in this hypothetical world, Islam is at Welterweight. What a ter- And then what a terrifying, absolutely terrifying lineup they got. Have what fun a with terrible that, decade to be another Lightweight who doesn't come from Dagestan. <laughs> I know. I mean, if Charles, if Charles wins and then – Islam just goes up, like just make Charles versus like Usman, like oh that, I'm God. fine with that too. I'm fine with any of that. Man, the options are plenty. They are. Hey, plenty. you know why? Yeah, you know why? Up. And you know why? Because lightweight is the best weight class in MMA. Best Let's go in the whole damn sport. <laughs> Absolutely right. And uh, everyone at MMA fighting agrees with that, and they don't say bantamweight. Yes, I Fact. think only AK is on Team Bantamweight, yeah. but that's okay. We love you. You're my best friend, AK, but you're just wrong. You're just wrong. Um, speaking of divisions, although it depends on – oh, Casey too. Casey too. You're muted, Casey. Yes. We know what he's saying. Guys, we, yeah. I've been saying – yeah, he's saying, guys, I've been on the Bantamweight train, but you're right. You're absolutely saying, right. It is actually lightweight just, you've talked about. Let me – I can read lips. He said, Bantamweight is not as good as lightweight. The Houston Astros should return their World Series trophies – the mustache is fake. <laughs> Back to you, Mike. Thanks, Casey. Oh, my God. Oh my uh, God. <laughs> wow. So I wasn't prepared is... for fake mustaches, but... <laughs> <laughs> I was also not prepared for fake mustaches. Apparently, women's featherweight is still alive, guys. It mm-hmm. is still alive, and it is alive and kicking in Bellator MMA. Chris Cyborg is back 
in the Bellator cage for the first time since the highly anticipated Arlene Blanco rematch in April of 2022 at Bellator 279. She had two boxing fights, which she was victorious in, and now she returns to face Kat Zingano. And as we talked about for for a hot minute, Shaheen, these two ladies have been circling each other for months and months and months, almost years at this point. I think you could say probably a couple of years, but finally, we are going to get this fight. Two former UFC fighters, Chris Cyborg, one of the greatest of all time, Kat Zingano, unbeaten since signing with Bellator from the UFC, and they're finally going to collide. How intrigued are you in this fight, Shaheen? With the, you know, especially with kind of the weird road it took to get here. Didn't think like we'd actually get this fight. Nah, kind of. <laughs> Not really. Kind of. I don't know. I mean, it, it certainly has been years, right? Like I can remember, Jose, you were probably there too. I can remember an event in Arizona. I think it was maybe JDS Steep A1, mm-hmm. where Katzengano was backstage talking about wanting to fight Cyborg then. Like that was a long time ago. And it, that was already. I think, I think that was Francis and Kane. That was, yes. Good call. Great call. Yeah. The memory, the elephant. ESPN one. Unbeaten. Uh, and yeah, so this has just been ongoing for years and years and years. So it, it is nice that we will at least, before Bellator shutters, get some kind of resolution to this because it is something that we have followed for so long. I don't think very many of us think this is going to be very competitive. Right? Like, this is just Chris Cyborg is a real featherweight. Katzengano is a blown up bantamweight. Katzengano's best days are behind her. She's looked better in Bellator. I don't know that she's really blown the doors off of, you know, people's expectations, though. Like, I think this is, we kind of know how this is going to look. Chris Cyborg is still an all time great. And every time you get a chance to see her, it is, is worthwhile and worth seeing. But if you give me a, what's my level of interest? Maybe like a six out of 10, I'd go that. I mean, the sound of that meh, I didn't think you were getting to a six, Shaheen. I, I talked myself a little bit into it, you know? <laughs> all right. And that's what these shows are all about. Jose, where are you at with this one? And by the way, let me just say this before you, you speak on this. Of all these fights this weekend, gentlemen, that I get that O'Malley, Stricklandy, weirdo vibes, it's this one. I don't know why. I can't explain it. But I just feel like something weird is going to happen. It doesn't mean that I'm saying Katzengano is going to win the featherweight title. It means that something really weird is going to happen. Maybe a DQ or some sort of weird draw or a, you know, maybe a judge scores a 10-9 round 10-8 in some weird thing. We haven't seen that at all this year. So, Jose, your interest levels in this fight, and do you have any sort of weird, wacky vibes that something weird is going to happen with this one? No, I don't think it's going to be wacky. I don't think she's going to finish Katzengano. Um Cat is tough, but she, when she takes damage, she tends to kind of just go backwards a lot, and she, she like she doesn't wear damage well in the in the cage or the octagon, Bellator cage, whatever you want to do. Um, and then the cyborg fight, like she can put people, she obviously can put people away. She's one of, if not the best finishers, uh, in women's MMA history, probably in my opinion, the second greatest women's fighter ever. Um, but that Arlene fight, Arlene just looked like a bloody mess at the end of the fight. And I'm like, Cyborg could probably finish this in the third, fourth round. And the fact that it got to a decision was shocking. Um, Kat is a very talented fighter. She's a tough fighter. I, I just think Chris is just on another level than any of, especially now that a man is retired. She is just on another level compared to any of these women at 135, 145. Um, and like Sean said, Chris is an actual featherweight. Cat is a a bantamweight that just isn't cutting weight. 
I think it'll be like a 50-45, 49-46 for Cyborg. Uh, and then hopefully we can get a big fight if there is this merger for her against a actual a fighter that is can match her physical skills in the cage. Possibly I just Kayla wish they would have done this. I just wish they would have done this three years ago. I agree, 100%. Like, Kat Sengano's yeah. 41 years old. Like, why mm-hmm. did we wait so long? Kat, she signed with Bellator in 2020. Like, why did it take until now to do this? Yeah. I'm, I remember talking to her like a year and a half ago. She's like, yeah, they told me it was going to be a title fight. And then they told me it was going to be an interim title fight. Then they said I was going to main event a card. And then I didn't fight for five months. And then I got a three-round fight against somebody that I didn't think I was going to fight on like a month's notice. So just her trajectory has been really weird. She was calling for some sort of specific drug tests in order for Cyborg to fight. There were all sorts of different shenanigans that were happening along the way. But all these years later, we finally get it and it's going to happen. Tomorrow night, we got Liz Carmouche against Alimale McFarlane. Could be the final fight of Alimale McFarlane's career. Who knows? It's just kind of a weird fight with all the weight shenanigans that happened earlier today. So we'll see what happens there. Before we move on to the UFC, Shaheen, we have 16 fights here. We ha- talked about the three title fights. Low-key banger. What's the low-key banger here? Oh, don't do this to me, Mike. Don't do this to me. Come on. one. I mean, there's an obvious one, and I guess I'll just pick the low-hanging fruit. I'm very curious, the heavyweight bout, the the, the final bout before the main card. Um, I'm going to butcher this man's last name, Slim Trab- Trablesi. I'm not sure Trabelsi. if I'm getting the last... Sure, not sure if I'm getting the last name right. Um, if you look him up, I mean, there's a there was a long ongoing saga with him for a long time about trying to sign him to these major promotions. Very decorated athlete, you know. I'm I'm interested to see how it translates. We always need more heavyweight talent. So, if you make me pick one, that's probably it. But this is a very Bellator prelims. Yeah, I mean, just just think of the trajectory of Slim Trebelsi's career because had things gone the way they were supposed to. He would have gone to the UFC and just gotten ethered by the goat Paca Porter in Abu Dhabi. So that would not have been good for him. And now he ends up on this on a historic Bellator 300 card instead. Uh, very interesting story. It's one of those ones where until Slim actually steps into the Bellator cage, I don't believe this fight's actually happening just mm-hmm. because of all the things that have been going on behind the scenes. But I am interested to see what he looks like after all this. Davion Franklin is no joke. Dude is an no. incredible athlete at heavyweight. So that should be super fun. Uh, Jose, low-key banger for Bellator 300. I mean, if you're talking about a fight that'll satiate my bloodlust, it's pretty much Henry Corrales versus uh, anybody. uh, Because that dude, I I very much like his style to accepting fights where he, Scott Coker, whoever calls him, and he just says, who am I fighting and when? And then he just shows up and fights the guy. So big fan of that approach, that Henry Corrales fight. Kai Kamaka III is also just an all-around fun guy to watch fight. He's a get or get got type of guy. Uh, but the two names, there are two names, like the the Josh Hockett, who I think kicks off the card. Dude used to play for the 49ers. Like, yeah. that dude is an athletic freak. He used to be a tight end in the National Football League. So very much excited to watch him. And then obviously Bryce Meredith is a three-time Division One All-American wrestler. So if you're just looking for blue chip American athletes fighting on the Bellator prelim cards, I guess those two would be the names. But if you're just looking for a fight that's going to be bananas, it's the Henry Corrales versus Kai Kamaka the third all day. Yeah. I love the Henry Henry yeah. Oh, yeah. I love great, the Henry great fight. Yeah, I love that. I I know that we're never going to do this because I think five people would read it. But I would, in my mind, I would love to put together like all violence, first team and second team for for the history of Bellator after it's concluded. 
Um, you know, I like to do in the NBA, all, all NBA first team, second team. And I don't know if Henry Corrales makes all violence first team for the history of Bellator, but he certainly is on that second team. That man has been putting in work. Bangers is, uh, and his bloodlust for his entire Bellator career. And he is very unsung in that regard. He started 0-3 in his Bellator career against Daniel Strauss, Emmanuel Santos, and Patricio Pitbull. Like, just welcome to Bellator, <laughs> Henry Corrales. Here's a pit of fire. And then that's just welcome. <laughs> oh, he's such a gamer. That fight's going to be really, really fun. And then uh, Grant Neal, who's a very talented fighter, moving yeah. down to 185 uh, to fight Romero Cotton. That should be a fun one as well. So that is Bellator 300. We'll have you covered on MMAfighting.com, but the NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down and new customers to DraftKings can bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Not that far away. Over in Las Vegas, Shaheen, UFC Vegas 80, Grant Dawson enters the top 10 at 155, and he said, look, I want one of two things. I want a ranked dude, somebody in the top 10, or I want a big name. And he gets Bobby Green, and Bobby Green to him is a is a big name, and I think Bobby is a very popular guy. I think his, he's growing in popularity every day that he's an ultimate fighting championship competitor. Interesting fight. Grant Dawson is obviously a massive favorite here. I think a lot of people are very high on Grant Dawson. Your thoughts on the UFC Vegas 80 main event in the best division in the sport. I love the way you frame that. I love the way you, that's why you're the best. Mike heck. That's why you're the best. Um, it's a good fight. I'm, I'm a little surprised that this is sort of that they're giving Grant Dawson this sort of platform because he does seem like one of those type of guys where he maybe isn't putting in the most fan friendly performances consistently over and over again and racking them up. And, you know, the, you know how the UFC goes with these type of figures who are maybe more a little methodical. Uh, but I do like that he's getting the spot. I mean, he has been the dark horse of this lightweight division for a while now, undefeated in his UFC run through. through and if you remember how his UFC career began, like he, he entered through the contender series and he was almost instantly like sort of cast aside because he was in this weird space where the same stuff that was happening with John Jones, when it came to different drug testing and picograms and just situations like that, Grant Dawson fell under that vacuum as well. And he like lost a, a quite a bit of time from his career because of that at the early portions. So for him to be able to turn this around now and really find success to the point where he's now headlining his first UFC event, 
all the credit in the world to him. Uh, I'm I'm deeply intrigued with just the stylistic matchup when it comes to this, right? Because Grant Dawson, we know what he does. He is relentless with his pressure. He's relentless with his takedowns. He's relentless with his grappling. And that's what he's going to try to do. He's going to just try to drown you, smother you in that type of work. And Bobby Green, like he he may be long in the tooth. He may be in this game for, for quite a long time. But dude has pretty decent defensive grappling. Like he, that's one of his stronger suits. We saw it with Islam, like he can get taken down certainly, and Islam can take down anybody, and he can get beaten beaten to a pulp on the ground in the way that he did against Islam. But like for the most part, his defensive grappling holds up a fair bit against a lot of these top lightweights, and this will be an ultimate test to see if Grant Dawson can execute that style of game plan against a gamer. Uh, like Bobby Green, because if he does, man, like I don't know, I don't, I'm not quite sure where this kid's ceiling is in this 50, 55 division. Very talented, but there's a lot of killers here. But if he can go in and, and blow the doors off of Bobby Green, sky's the limit for for me. Kind of feels like. What do you think of the matchup, Jose? I know it kind of came together somewhat quickly mm-hmm. because we were wondering what was going to headline this card. It, I didn't think we were going to get a Drew Dober Ricky Glenn main event here, but we get this fight instead, and I think it's. For an Apex card, this is pretty darn good and pretty darn intriguing in a number of ways. Yeah, I like it a lot. I like the fight a lot, and I think it. I'm I'm glad Bobby Green's getting that another main event. Uh, coming off that that win that submission win over Tony Ferguson was no joke in Salt Lake City. Uh, Grant Dawson, like like Shaheen said, the the sky's the limit for this kid. I really like his approach to fighting too. I think he's. I think realistic is an understatement. If you go watch his inner or if you read his interview with Damon Martin, he's like, yeah, I beat Bobby Green. He's like, I'm not going to fight Connor. I'm not going to fight Michael Chandler. Justin Gaethje and Dustin Poirier won't fight me. Like he seems very realistic at the path and route he's taking of his career. Uh, Incredibly high level grappler, very fun striker too. Uh, Bobby Green, like Sean said, is very very underrated uh defensive grappling i think the guys that really take advantage of bobby are the ones that are just physically just stronger than him like the the islam fights or the ones that can just out crazy him in the octagon like the drew dobers and the rafael fazeves and the 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 dracar closes of the world but bobby is a guy that'll fight anyone anywhere anytime i think this is the most popular he's ever been uh i love this main event still haven't decided who's going to win for whatever reason there's some beef from bobby's side if you watch the face off today he kept bringing up some video i don't know what video he was referring to maybe mike you do or maybe shane you do i don't know if that's bobby just trying to drum up some emotional emotion before the fight because grant seems pretty confused too i don't quite know what the history between those two are uh so yeah uh yeah fun fight love it glad it's a five-round main event yeah, I, I think when you work in this space, there are moments that are kind of surreal. Because Grant, I had my first interview with Grant Dawson in September of 2015. He was getting ready to fight for Titan FC. That was the first time I talked to him. And I had watched a lot of tape on him. He was 5-0 and at the time and just the same thing you saw. But he was a featherweight, just running dudes over. And he's just submitting dudes it was always the second round he just he would just 10-8 a dude in the first and then he would just make people quit in the second that's like what he always did and then he lost a fight in 35 seconds just got absolutely destroyed and it was one of those things that he had a lot going on with his personal life and some personal relationships that were falling apart and eventually he just broke through the hump and got super hungry and now he's headlining a freaking UFC event, and it's just kind of wild to think because he's always had the talent, and it's just one of those guys that maybe he was just a little too young, a little too immature for the spotlight, 
thought he was a little too big for his britches at times. And I think these are lessons that he's learned along the way. And now he's getting ready to fight Bobby Green. You're right, Jose. That was an awkward faceoff because Grant Dawson goes in. Everything I've seen from Grant has been pretty respectful in regards to Bobby. He's put Bobby over pretty big. And then Grant goes for the handshake. And Bobby Green's like, nah, bro. And he goes, I, I heard what you said in the video. And Grant's just like, what? I think you're a very nice guy. No, 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 no. I think you are a very nice guy. I know you're a very nice guy, Bobby. I know you are. It was just so it was so awkward. Bobby's just yelling at him like, I heard what you said, bro. And Grant's like, I don't know what you're talking about. But it was uh <laughs> kudos to Bobby for trying to rustle up some fire here. But yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting fight. So We'll we'll dive into Loki Bang. We'll take a few questions before we get out of here because I know we're kind of on a time cap here. So Shaheed, what is your official pick for this main event? Can Grant Dawson continue this unbeaten run in the UFC and move up another notch here in this loaded up lightweight division, or can Bobby Green come in and play spoiler in the main event? First, can I can I flip the switch, turn it around on the trivia master real quick, and ask you a piece of trivia, Mike? Okay. You mentioned the thirty-five second loss. Grant Dawson has. Do you know who that was too? Hugh Poli or Poli or something like that. Nailed it. My Victory guy. FC. I know, I know for a fact. Yeah, it was Victory FC. And he just got he got bludgeoned by elbows. It was it was, it was not bad. it was not it was not Victory FC. Oh, it was a case it was a Casey oh, fighting you alliance. ruined it yeah. afterwards. You had yeah. it. You had it perfect. It was Casey fighting alliance. Yeah. All right, it was yep. one, it was one of those two, for God's sake. Is what that was a great pull, though. The, the immortal Hugh Pulley. Uh, great job, Hugh. You, you yes. really worked out for you. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean I'm mean, i going to pick Grant Dawson. To me, Grant Dawson feels tailor-made to be the lightweight that everyone avoids, right? Like, we've yeah, seen for this. For sure. We've we seen this time and time again just happen in this division. Like, he's going to win this fight, and then he's going to campaign for a top 10 fighter, top 8 fighter, and no one's going to want that fight. And we might get stuck on this weird road where he's fighting these top 15, top 10, 12-ish range guys consistently, but just because no one's going to give him that opportunity. Like, if you're Justin Gaethje, if you're Armand Saruki, if you're whoever, like, you're just not out here trying to fight Grant Dawson, regardless of what happens on Saturday. So it feels like we already sort of know what's going to happen in this guy's career because we've seen it before. Uh, but, you know, Bobby Green, very game opponent. You can never really just say, hey, Bobby Green is going to just get the doors blown off and happens very rarely. But I do think Grant Dawson's going to go out there win a, a convincing one-sided 25-minute-esque decision uh, where he wins four out of five rounds or something like that. Maybe he gets a late finish uh, and continues this march towards eventually fighting some of the top lightweights. Jose, what do you think? I think Grant gets it done inside five, probably in the third round range. I think, like you said, the pressure, the high-level grappling and everything. He seems a guy like he can sense – He can, he's a guy that can sense the kill is coming, and I'm very much, you know, Bobby – will do his thing and talk a lot but then like you saw the drew dover thing he gets clipped he goes down and i think grant dawson's i am so like i thought like mark i think mark Matson is an incredibly high level fighter and obviously demir is is an incredibly high level fighter so grant dawson is fighting guys that no one else wants to fight and beating them and then he's basically like sean said he's taking that role He's going to be the guy that no one wants to fight or you've lost two in a row and you're forced to fight Grant Dawson. So I think Grant is – I think this this isn't a passing of the guard by any means. Bobby is still – if Bobby loses, he's still going to be more popular amongst the fans than Grant Dawson. Um, so Bobby will be a better prize fighter, 
I think Grant Doss is just going to be a better mixed martial arts fighter on Saturday. I'm picking Grant to win inside five. I'm picking Grant to win. I think he gets a finish inside of three. I'm with you, Jose, with that. Maybe in the third round. But boy, if this gets to the championship rounds, I have questions. I have questions about Grant Dawson getting into rounds four and five. Not saying that he has like bad conditioning or anything, but I we just I haven't seen it. I can't forget the Ricky Glenn fight. I can't yeah. forget that fight. Well, where he just I mean, Ricky, Ricky Glenn's Glenn. done that to some, to a lot of people. To be fair, yeah, but Bobby Green can do that too. And Ricky five Glenn, rounds. And that was a three, and that was a three round fight. This is a five round fight. So if Bobby can survive and make it to round four, I think things can get real interesting here. Now, maybe Grant has figured that part of his game out. He looked real good against Mark Madsen. He looked real good against Amir's Magulov. But this is a five-rounder, and Bobby Green is going to be very tough to get out of there. I do eventually think that Grant is just going to put that pressure on him. But if Bobby could just survive and make it to round four, things could get real interesting. But – Maybe we'll maybe we'll get there. Maybe we will. I kind of hope we do get there because I just want to see how Grant could do in those later in the fight, especially if Bobby is starting to come back and can Grant kind of kick in that second gear and and stay with it. So I do think Grant will get it done. I think it's a very good matchup for him, but I think Bobby is is a very interesting test for him, especially if this fight goes deep. So we uh, we did the low key banger question for Bellator Shaheen. I think it's only fair we give it to the UFC. What are we looking at here? What's the what's the other fight on this card that you are most intrigued in? Well, first I would I would just submit that I think also in my mind at least this this feels like a step down in competition for Grant Dawson in a way. Like I would pick Demiris Magulov to beat Bobby Green. Bobby Green's certainly a bigger name, but I don't know. I, I wish that this was a different type of fight for Grant Dawson ultimately, but it is what it is. Uh, low key banger. I mean. There's two really obvious picks, right? So I'll leave one for Jose Drew Dober. Ricky Glenn is obvious right there, but I am so deeply intrigued in Joe Viper, man. I mean, that guy has a hell of a story. He has been nothing but impressive so far in the UFC. And Abdul Razak Khalil Hassan, we know what to expect from him, right? Like this is this fight's going to end in a knockout. Every time you say that, a fight goes 15 boring minutes. But this was probably going to end in a really brutal knockout. And I'm really curious to see if Joe Pfeiffer is who the UFC is sort of building him up to be. Jose, what you got? See, the obvious answers are the Drew Dovers and the Alexander Hernandez's of the world, but I am going to pick an actual low-key banger, and I think it's Felipe Lin's Ian Kutalava because someone is going to bed in that fight, whether it's by submission or knockout or just from pure exhaustion inside the octagon. So that's my pick. Obviously, the Drew Dober fight, like I'm never going to not watch Drew Dober, same as Alexander Hernandez and Bill Alger. Like those are all very fun fighters and very exciting weight classes, especially Alex at featherweight. But uh, I want to see Felipe Lin's and Ian Kutalava just throw hammers at each other until someone goes to sleep. And obviously, really like, the Carolina yeah. Diana Bobita will be is important for the division. Yes, Alja Hernandez is interesting. It's it's more interesting now, and I'm not like a big betting matrix guy, but the line has shifted quite a bit in the favor of Alexander Hernandez over the last couple of days. He was like a plus one fifty dog, and now he's like a minus one forty five favorite in a matter of two days. So I think that's kind of wacky. So we'll see what happens there. Um, Dober Glenn's good. Alex Morona, Joaquin Buckley is a really interesting fight. We're going to see like what Joaquin Buckley's all about here. In, in my personal opinion, I really like the fight, but man, every time I think and talk about this card, I'm just good 
by the fact we're not getting Chris Gutierrez, Montel Jackson on this card. It hurts my soul that we're not getting the, that fight. That was one of the fights I was looking forward to this entire month. And that includes the pay-per-view. It's like a top three fight of the month for me. And now we're not getting it. And ah, it just hurts my soul. But compared to most Apex cards this year, this one's not bad. This one is not bad. This is more on the AK be fun. Of positive scale. Yeah, I think it's going to be pretty fun. It's going to be do you a think? fun night of very exciting fights for the most part. Maybe not the main event, but outside everything else. Do you think this is it for Nate Manis if he loses? The questions that everyone's asking. It's a good question. I mean, he fought He's Umar. And, two. and that yeah, he got yeah. smoked by Umar, and then he was like, you know what? Maybe Bantamweight's not my weight class. So he drops to flyweight and gets to gear like like Ulan Bekov like, <laughs> right out of the off. gate. Like, God, yeah, it's a tough draw. It's a tough draw. <laughs> tough draw. And now he gets I bet it is, If he loses this one, I don't, I don't know that there's much demand to see Nate Maynard right. get four in a row. Right. I mean, they need guys, though. And he fight, he'll literally fight anybody. So there's value to that. There's definitely value to that. So, all right, we'll bring in Casey live from San Diego. We'll take a few questions before we get to get out of here. The Bellator ceremonial weigh-ins coming up very soon. Look at this Hi, guy everybody. with the professional background. Hi, Casey. Look at this. I want to say I'm really looking forward to Buckley versus Morono, mostly because it's the two opposite. The bodies are so of, different. Yeah. Yeah. Of, of, of looking, of, of, of who looks good coming Aesthetics. off the bus. Yeah, yeah. I just, and both of them can obviously just knock your lights out, and I just, I just love that dynamic of the physical bodies of MMA and how they're both just two incredibly violent dudes, but they don't look the same. But it's just, it's awesome. So just want to point that out. I love it. That's a good. Yeah, thing. The, um, but, the memes that will come if Alex Morona wins this fight are gonna be horrible. <laughs> oh yeah. This is what peak right. performance looks like. Yeah. <laughs> anytime, you, anytime you can get the the such a dynamic shift of bodies, where it's like I always just think of the Stefan Struve thing, right? Where it's like Stefan Struve versus just like a short, fat heavyweight. Like, give me those as many times as you can. Remember, I just yeah, love these. Stefan Struve versus uh, Pat Barry, the face off. I don't know if you love that. that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, man. Gosh, That's no. what I'm saying. Uh, all right. Uh, it's kind of a fun question for. Question for the panel. Favorite Bellator moment, also the opposite, lowest moment. Oh, oh, boy. Wow. How much time do we have? I think it's the same thing. <laughs> I actually think, it's this, for me, it's the same thing. It's Kimbo Dada. Yeah, I feel like everyone's <laughs> oh, going to say that. God. It's the best so in work. My favorite, <laughs> my favorite is, Mike, you watch professional wrestling. Casey, I don't think you don't know if you were watching back then. Sean, I don't think you were watching. Remember when T Ortiz debuted at TNA against Aces and Aids and it was the most awkward thing of all time? The second most awkward thing of all time is when they had the camera on Roy Jones Jr. because they were hyping up a fight with Rampage. And then Rampage was like, actually, I'm fighting this guy. And then T Ortiz <laughs> walked out with a giant American flag. That was, and then they didn't even end up fighting. That's probably my favorite because it was just so silly and stupid. Can I? Wait, can wait, I who's the guy that when when he took the I, mask off? Oh, Tito I got you. That's, oh, that's literally what I was about to say. Can yeah, I submit I, to the panel the 100%. great Stephen Bonner, rest Dude. in peace, coming in and doing the mask rip off while still having another mask on underneath it? It was just love that. <laughs> can we just do a list of the top ten best Tito Ortiz moments in Bellator? <laughs> the early Coker era of Bellator, where they were trying love to it. do 
toe this line between like, hey, we got some really crazy prospects. We're going to put them on this card that's like clown show card consistently. Oh, yeah. Just like the Hoist Gracie fights that they were trotting out and all the weird stuff. <laughs> Such a weird, weird era in retrospect. Like, I don't know what that was. It didn't really work, but it also drew big ratings, but it didn't like get anybody to stay. And Casey, like you said, the, the Kimbo Dada is the most fun I've Dada, ever had at a fight ever. Dada still, literally, Dada literally, his heart stopped in the cage. And then like a couple months later, Kimbo died for real. So yeah. while we were just, all guffawing cage side, just cackling yeah. in this man's diet. That's like the weirdest. Every second of it. And the fact that like Dada got knocked out with a punch that didn't land. Was, I love it. Dude, well, no, he, it was one yeah, of the, the death. That party. fight was one of Literally, those things yeah. where you leave it and your face hurts because you've been smiling for like 30 minutes without realizing it. I was, um, we're, I don't know if you remember, um, I think we we're all sitting next to each other too, like in the little media row. And Booker T was there. The fight was, yep. yes, absolutely. Yep. Booker T was only like maybe 10 feet from us and he was just. Uh, almost literally rolling on the ground laughing watching the fight but and the crowd Dude. was uh <laughs> you would have thought he was at a Chappelle like yeah. comedy special like he was just dying laughing the whole time uh also i do but have I think, to but, just oh, mention chandler alvarez i was like yeah, that was that, that and i was the a, same night as hendo shogun like that era was my is my favorite era because you also had like the carnage of like middleweight Hector Lombard doing his thing at Bellator. So that was just like such a fun, Flamenco was such too. a fun era. Alexander yeah, Flamenco. For sure. Those are, those are, those fight cards were a blast because it was actual high level fights. Yeah. Uh, you know what? But we are going to cut the Q and a short because this room is getting very crowded right now. And I thought I would have a little more time, but everything's getting pretty tight around here. So uh, I think we're going to wrap this up gentlemen that's fair yeah. one last yeah, one last submission real quick super quick oh, the press conference because everyone in the comments saying it the press conference with tito and Shale. one of the all time oh, yes. still waiting people, about the jackal people <laughs> still bring this up in comment section to this day there are like four different lines from that press conference. oh yeah it's just when, an when all-time Sh performance from Shale. when Shale did the q a in boston i me and oscar were like should one of us asked him about the jackal, and we were like, one of us should do that. But then we just both chickened out. <laughs> what was the line? Like, he's like, he's like, shows like, you're a bad boy. And Tito's like, bad girl or something. <laughs> I, don't, I just love him going to uh, Jenna James and then be like, oh, that was a nasty line by me. Yeah. <laughs> was like, that was bad. Like, <laughs> and Tito just like exploding with rage. And like, oh my God. Oh my God. Oh, there have been so many. Past his prime, Jail was was not a great fighter, but he was still one of the single best promo in the game. Oh yeah, a hundred percent, absolutely. Right. This is a question we're gonna have to explore one of these days. Yeah. Maybe on a damn, they were Maybe good. Maybe on the Bellator post show. Edition. Yeah, post show. We'll we'll tell Bellator tales oh, and and rank have, some of the have, best things. We have three hundred one. We have three hundred one coming up in Chicago, so maybe we can collect our thoughts and gather our, our, our list. We got time. So. We got time. We could do like a Bellator best of draft of some kind. I don't know. I don't know. The ideas are flowing here at MAFighting.com. So thank you all very much. Double header tomorrow. We'll get a people's pre-fight show. Special guest host, AK Lee, my best friend, will be on the call. I believe that's going to happen at 3.30 p.m. Eastern time. And then we'll be covered for both events right here at MMA Fighting. So from San Diego, for Casey Lydon, for Jose and Shaheen, in Phoenix, Arizona. I am Mike Hack. Thanks for watching. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. Let's go, D-backs. Beat LA.
Baseball season's over, but yes. Does anyone know what San Diego means in German? Does anyone know? German. <laughs> You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.